0: Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are run and tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2000's The Perfect Storm, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, starring George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Diane Lane, John C. Riley, Mary Elizabeth Masterantino, William Fickner, Bob Gunton, and Karen. Allen. The Perfect Storm is a 2000 dramatic disaster film. This movie currently holds a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis?
1: Veteran fisherman Billy Tyne has had a run of disappointing catches and is determined to change his luck by going beyond the normal reach of New England fishing boats to the remote Flemish Cap. But in doing so, he risks everything. Once T, he hears about a huge storm building up, but is convinced he can beat it back to Gloucester with an enormous catch.
0: Okay, The Perfect Storm. What is your history with
1: This. I saw it in the theaters and I saw it on TV a bunch of times. I don't know. I, I also remember being at the beach when waves from the original storm were crashing and causing quite a bit of beach erosion.
0: Were you surfing these tasty waves? No, no. 800 was, foot tall humonga <laughs> dungo waves? No, no. I, I was like four <laughs> or seven or something. Even better. Yeah.
2: Kevin? Yeah, I saw this in the movies. I lived through this, the actual events of the movie. I saw the movie in theaters. I enjoyed it. And I actually. Someone had given me the DVD when it came out too, and uh, Warner Brothers had the program where you could send them your DVDs, and for a few bucks, they sent it a Blu-ray. So now I own it on Blu-ray. You made out like a bandit, Thief in the Night. I did. That's I one. think that we should just get this out of the way and say that we all grew up essentially
1: by the coast, in all, the water.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in a sea aquatic. Lab, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We all have gills behind our ears, like we're Kevin recording Costner this in yeah.
0: the ocean right now. So we all experienced <laughs> under oil the sea. Ring. <laughs>
1: We all experienced this storm firsthand, but no one as closely as Joel.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell are
1: you talking about? You you were living essentially on the beach at this point, were not yeah. you?
0: For those who aren't hip to the ultra smooth and savvy New Jersey lifestyle, <laughs> you know. I'm pretty sure with the Jersey Shore, everyone knows. Well, that's what I was about to say, because if you've ever watched the Jersey Shore in the early days, like when that show first started at Seaside, that's a town that I grew up in. So I was living there when this storm hit, and I have no memory of this whatsoever. (laughs) I was too busy playing video games all day, I guess. I don't know.
2: I remember because it was the only time I've seen my streets flood, because I I lived on the water too, and the the water never got high enough to flood the streets, but that was the one time it did, and people were like on kayaks in the middle of the road. It's pretty crazy. I remember going from my dad's
1: house up to the beach and there being like a fifteen foot drop off, just like a
2: fifteen foot foot
1: empty abyss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bottom was pit into the (laughs) The into the ocean, into hell. I have no idea what
2: (laughs) (laughs) the hurricane opened up. The, sinkhole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw this movie was years ago. I remember watching it on my PS2. Around the same time period that I saw Vanilla Sky for the first time, I wasn't too keen on this bad boy. I was not impressed with The Perfect Storm back in 03, 02, whenever the hell I saw this. What
1: about the impressive CJ?
0: Did not impress. <gasps> at the time, I'm a little older, a little wiser. Mm-hmm. Perhaps my mm-hmm. penis changed? Maybe. It's possible. Let's do what we always do at the top of the show. Let's discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Thank you now, this movie has a star-studded cast. Quite impressed the lineup we have here. So, first up, Mr. George Clooney. Kevin? Our boy got arrested I'm, today.
2: He did. He did. For a good cause. It's not like he hit someone coming out of a nightclub at three in the morning. He was a hit. Like some Hollywood stars. Yeah, he got arrested because he was protesting the kind of embassy or something. Sudanese. Yeah, Sudan's embassy. Yeah, whatever. Right,
1: so, he's, he's riding on the Joseph Coney. Gordon Levitt.
2: Yeah, he's riding on Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> coattails. Are we all? <laughs> yeah, everyone is. Yeah, so I am a big fan of George Clooney. This not, it's not one of his strongest roles. What about when he was on ER?
0: He's no Anthony Edwards, but he's pretty good. He's no Noah Wiley either. Oh, uh, good. Get- he's not even an Eric LaSalle. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think
1: he's better than Eric LaSalle. You better check yourself. I really like George Clooney. I, I thought that he, this is also probably is not one of his best roles, but I didn't think he was horrible. I mean, in comparison to a lot of the actors that we watch on this show, he's fine. You're going to love the way he looks. I guarantee it. <laughs> wow, thanks, thanks. I really appreciate you.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Men's warehouse? <laughs> I did not love the way he looked in this movie. No. Whoa, facial hair, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Joel, it, I, I saw
1: your shaving hand twitching this whole movie. There was, a lot of of, and there was a lot of out of control facial hair
2: going on in this movie. I had a real problem with the facial hair in this movie. What was wrong with Across it? Across the board. <laughs> Okay, it was it patchy, looked, right? It was so patchy. It was like they grew out the beards but but like shaved it in certain spots, but let it grow in others. Was very unimpressed. It looked like it was dyed. Yellow. Woody's beard looked like it was dyed. Like someone took a yellow highlighter yeah. and colored in the tips uh, of, it his, like of his beard hair. It looked like he was drinking piss for like an hour before they started filming. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like someone's just pissing on his face, he's like, okay, action. I'm ready. Like, go, go. Don't get the character.
2: I gotta drink all this piss. No, but I, you're you're right. I mean, this, yeah, this isn't George Clooney's best role. No. Still pretty good compared to what we normally are subjected to. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. Let's
2: let's be yeah, honest here. Really- are you trying to
0: tell me that George Clooney is better than Josh Lucas? <laughs> yeah. Are you seriously trying to tell me that right now? Absolutely. You better check yourself.
2: <laughs> We all did take issue with the fact that at the beginning of the movie, George was trying trying to do an accent,
0: which he just...
2: He just <laughs> dropped. Why he did he do that? Two or, two or three scenes in, just never mind. It would, it would come and go with the wind. You know, it's a nightmare. It's what did, what exactly
1: happened? He he got through like 25, 45 pages of script and he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, he's still riding high off Batman and Robin at this point, right? <laughs>
1: He's riding high <laughs> off of that. <laughs> it's a tidal wave. He's riding it in to the, to the perfect storm.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's Clooney. He's great. So next up.
2: <laughs> Can't even get through the actor summit.
0: Mark Wahlberg.
1: He is so pretentious. Oh, my God.
2: What? <laughs> Where's this
0: coming from? What the hell? I have no idea what you're about to say. <laughs> I usually can read you and predict your every intonation and movement.
2: I think I know exactly what he's talking about. Oh. He's talking about the fact that Mark Wahlberg... He's from Boston. ...has an amazing basketball court at his house. I'm just, not talking about that at just, all. He just, he, just, he just throws it in people's faces. I don't
0: know what the hell you're talking about at all. Wait, how do you how do you know that?
2: He was on like 60 Minutes or something. And showed his basketball court? Yeah, they showed him shooting on his personal basketball court. nice? It's
0: amazing. You sound wildly
2: jealous.
1: I am wildly jealous. What would you do to have a basketball court? core like that in your house?
2: What would I do?
1: Who would you do? <laughs> yeah, from maybe that's a better question. Who would you do?
2: <laughs> Fill in the blank, my friend, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg.
1: <laughs> With pleasure. I thought that Mark Wahlberg was—I want to say like fake acting,
0: phony baloney.
1: Yeah, he, uh, isn't isn't that what all acting is? <laughs> I guess, I, I mean, an actor is trying to recreate an event and make it as realistic as possible. And to do that, usually when they get into character, they try to live that character in the moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's kind of projecting this obscure Boston fisherman.
0: I don't see a problem with anything you have just said. <laughs> like you, like, Kevin's right. You just described every actor. Down to the fisherman part, too. Every actor, that's, that's what they all do. <laughs> Going back to Shakespeare times. <laughs>
2: No, I think I know what you're saying. I mean, there definitely was. You, you could tell Mark Wahlberg was acting. He, right? That's that's the problem. You don't think he was on par with Clooney? I don't know. Clooney was was no Clooney way a- above acting circles. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I could tell that Mark Wahlberg was trying to act. He was like putting like effort into it. And when I can see that, that that's obviously not a good thing. It,
0: when did you guys officially decide that you like Mark Wahlberg? What was the movie? I liked him in the
1: big hit, Boogie Nights. Probably. I Heart Huckabees. Hmm. That was a slow burn.
0: What a wildly diversion. <laughs> set of films there. Wahlberg's
1: beard was the worst.
0: <laughs>
2: okay. All right, keep going.
1: Right? I'll keep go going. I'll go this far. Wahlberg probably can't grow a full beard.
2: Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, that was probably his best attempt at growing a beard, right? So as far as acting to have a beard, he, he was horrible. Oh, uh, one of the worst beard performances I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Piss poor <laughs> performance. Personified. <laughs> I mean, it looked like he hadn't fully developed the ability to grow hair all <laughs> over his face yet. It was just like in certain spots and it'd get real long and strangly. Yeah, very bad performance by Beard in this movie. <laughs> Would you say that that was
1: a middle school beard performance?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm going to say Tom Skerritt's mustache owns Clooney and Wahlberg's full beards put together. I agree with you. There's there's probably a higher hair count mm-hmm. in Skerritt's mustache. For sure. Wahlberg, he's interesting, right? Like I don't, I don't think anyone's going to accuse him of being... Being a great actor. No. But he's one of those guys that, kind of like Will Smith, right? Like, he's entertaining to see up on the big screen doing stuff.
1: What's What's interesting is, like, occasionally he'll have movies where his acting is great. He'll surprise you. He really will surprise you. And then, the rest of the time, you kind of know what you're getting into, and then occasionally you'll get these movies where he's just completely not there at mm-hmm. all. And it's horrible.
2: I wonder if he just needs to be in the hands of, like, the right director. A director. I would probably
1: say so, because when he was he was good in The Fighter. He was good in The Fighter. And I'm gonna use this as an example when they did the departed i know a lot of people are you know gonna say that he was good in that movie and i agree with them i think that he was very good in that movie and that was scorsese mm-hmm. so yeah you're probably right he probably needs to be in the hands of a good director sean not one of those uh, uh, no
0: oh that's right i forgot <laughs> i forgot that we was in one of our movies The Triumphant Return! (laughs) Mark Wahlberg, DSFN. All right, next up, John C. Riley.
1: This guy is phenomenal. He uh, is a great, serious actor. He's hilarious when he's doing his comedic roles. I have a problem watching him in the present day in a serious role because I immediately think of him in like Step Brothers or Mm -hmm. um, Steve
0: Bruhl.
1: yeah, Steve Bruhl. I just kept laughing
0: when I saw his face. That angelic, cherubic face of his. (laughs) I just kept chuckling. You know what? It's weird though because in, I mean, originally
1: he was a serious actor and when I was watching him in those serious roles before he got into the comedic stuff, like, he was good. He was a phenomenal serious actor. He can't, I mean he could do it very well.
2: He's still trying, right? Isn't he in that, um, Carnage movie yeah. that just and came out? Yeah, he, is,
1: supposedly he's phenomenal.
2: He took a really weird path career-wise though, right? Like, normally what you see is guys taking the goofy roles, so think like Jim Carrey, and working their way to the more serious stuff. He kind of like started out with serious stuff, like The Perfect Storm. Yeah. And then later transition to these kind of goofy movies, which is kind of different. Maybe he has more fun with the goofy stuff. I mean, how could you not?
0: Stepbrothers?
2: That's, that looks like a good time. Well but then, he, <laughs> then he, he does. Those two had way more fun making that
0: movie than anyone had watching it, <laughs> right? Okay, next up, making his triumphant return, and he Yes that bad, William Fickner. We'll be seeing this guy again real soon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you guys think he did? Stereotypical. He, the, played yeah, he played his same Armageddon role. Armageddon role, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I loved him for it. He's yeah. growing on me. This guy's really, really grown on me. When I first encountered him, I didn't like him. I, in my head, I associated him as being a real creeper. That's mm-hmm. his... That's his M.O. That's his character. He looks at you and he creeps you out. But that's due to the roles I saw him in initially, when he played, like, creepo people. Mm-hmm. But the more movies I see him in, the more he's grown on me. So I, I'm all for this guy. I was happy to have him in this movie.
2: I'm going to say, it of everyone on that boat, I believed him as a fisherman. Okay. Over everyone else. Yeah, yes. I thought he did the best job of portraying what a fisherman would be like. His accent was great. I thought he did a really good job with that. I don't know where he's from. I don't know if he's from <laughs> Boston. Maybe he was just talking normally. But <laughs> he sounded great. Everything he did I thought was great in this movie.
1: You would think Wahlberg would have the most believable
0: accent, right? Yeah, you'd think, but.
2: You'd be wrong. He likes to <laughs> throw be- curveballs.
0: <laughs> okay, next up. Here's a guy that isn't even listed in the uh, <laughs> the top Billy gear but I'm bringing him out. My good man, John Hawks. Now, this is a guy who Whose name you've probably have never heard of, but you'd know him when you see him. He was in Deadwood, and he was in Winter's Bone recently. If you saw that movie, he was like the brother who helped out the hero. How do you think he did? This guy's great. I love, I this, love guy. this guy. He's a phenomenal actor. Yeah.
1: Why is he always so obscured? I guess. And
0: because he chooses to be these weird supporting roles. Like he loves to stretch himself. So I heard him in an interview say that. Really, really, he's doing. He that does on this on purpose. purpose. Yeah. He, he picks these really difficult supporting acting roles. He loves doing that sort of thing. So. He enjoys perfecting the craft. I'm going to say he's the best actor in this movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's doing like all the little things.
0: Yes. That's really good. Yeah.
2: He was like the utility guy on this movie. He's a sports metaphor because I know you love them, Joel.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> he hit a touchdown. <laughs> He hit and touched. In the fourth quarter. (laughs) In the fourth end zone. (laughs) And
2: finally, Diane Lane. Diane Lane forced this accent that was by far the worst in this movie and one of the worst accents I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) You didn't believe she was from Boston.
2: She sounded terrible. Atrocious. I couldn't stand listening to abysmal? her. Abysmal. Yeah,
1: she was an atrocious actress, accentuating abysmal accents all over this movie.
0: I can't think of a, like a word that says like I concur with such the letter A. Agree? Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Okay, so that's it. Let's get into the history of The Perfect Storm. The film is based on Younger's nonfiction book of the same name. The book itself has sometimes been accused of factual errors, e.g. misspelling of a person's name, one-sided research, e.g. initially not interviewing the skipper and owner of the yacht, Satori, and bias against the fishing industry, e.g. role of drinking among fishermen. How could he interview this person? He's dead. You know, they make Ouija boards for a reason. (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. The author, and according to him, also fishermen, have defended the book. The film omits many of the book's technical details, like the prominent role of the Canadian Coast Guard, as well as contested parts about the stability, resistance to capsizing of the Andrea Gale. The film only claims to be based on a true story. It differs in many ways from the book, starting with the fictionalization of the material into a story. The film also continues to narrate the story of the Andrea Gale after its last radio contact, as the boat and the bodies of the crew were never found. These final events, e.g. the decision to continue course, the 180 degree knockover, etc. are obviously entirely speculation. Most names were not changed for the fictional film. The family of certain crew members of the Andrea Gale sued the producers in federal district court in Florida, claiming that their names were used without their permission, and that facts were changed. In the film's beginning, the Andrea Gale is shown offloading an unimpressive catch, and Billy Tyne is depicted as having lost his touch. In reality, Tyne and and his crew returned from that trip with an abundant catch. Likewise, the relationship between Tyne and Linda Greenlaw was fictitious. Tyne and Greenlaw were barely acquainted in real life. And finally, Nicolas Cage was originally named as the lead to play local fisherman Bobby Shatford, but was forced to back out because of other commitments.
1: What would you guys have done if Nicolas Cage was in this
2: movie? Man. Well, what would that have done to this movie? I guess it depends. You never know what cage you're going to get. <laughs> what if Con Air Cage showed up or Face Off Cage? I don't want Face Off Cage. I'll take Con Air
0: Cage. Okay. The Perfect Storm. I think it's important for us to preface this by saying that we know that this is based on real events. Real people actually died in this, right? Yeah. So we're not mocking the real people, right? No. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the actors. We're talking about the actors who are playing a fictionalized portrayal of these events. Mm -hmm. This dramatization, essentially, right?
2: The basis of this is true, but just about everything in this movie is conjecture, right?
1: Like, just made up? Since you can't interview the actual people that were there, I would say so, unless they had, like, a medium where they were contacting people from the afterlife which I don't think I don't think was, was That's highly
0: probable <laughs> no I, I, I don't think, I, No, I, I, would, don't, I would I would think no at this point it's statistically inevitable <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the movie starts off with George Clooney and the gang coming back from a long fishing trip yep. and the boat's empty
2: they're striking out. They went out there fishing for days, weeks, and they came back with a few small swordfish, and the owner of the boat was not happy. It's important to note
1: that, like, the way that the structure of payment for these ships work is that half of it goes to the owner of the vessel, and usually the owner is not the one that's out there fishing. Then the skipper gets a majority share, and then the rest is divvied up to the crew. sweet deal. So it depends on, your pay is dependent on how much you catch. It's almost identical to if you've ever seen the show on the Discovery, Channel. Storage right. Wars. The payment scale is just <laughs> like Storage Wars. They're trying to track down people that are willing to pay a lot of money. Orange County Choppers?
2: For- oh, yeah. <laughs> sick.
1: At this point in the movie, someone was brought back to the dock, essentially in a body bag. Yeah. And Michael Ironsides just does not care at all.
0: Another great actor who wasn't even listed in the credits uh-huh. there, Michael Ironside, Dark Side, to some. He always just sneaks into movies. like He just, <laughs> yeah. he just disappears, and you're like, yeah, <laughs>
1: So someone was brought back in a body bag. They died out at sea. Michael Ironside does not care at all. He, he was, maybe he just got off the set recording an episode of Superman
2: where he was like dark side.
0: Yeah, he's just like what are your numbers? Cold hard cash, right? That's yeah. all that matters. Yep. Darwinian
2: capitalist at, it, at its finest.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so at this point all the members of the crew, they're not having a happy payday. So they all go out to the bar at that on the dock there. This bar apparently is located on the dock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's floating. <laughs> it's a floating <laughs> <What>? bar. <laughs>
0: It's very... Bar boat. <laughs> yeah, they, they have to swim to like They're the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the 20th movie we watched that had a stupid bar scene in it, right?
2: I feel like it's the 20th
0: in a row. <laughs> it really What is the purpose of
2: these bar scenes? It's to... <laughs> <laughs> it really these movies paint these pictures of like that's all people do the lower and middle class go to bars and then the upper class go to masquerade, masquerade balls, balls. <laughs> that's all they do <laughs> the one percenters they spend every weekend a
0: masquerade ball. <laughs> fidelio <laughs>
1: What is the purpose of these events? I mean, the bar scene is used to, what? To humanize people. Like, people. Make, like, allow you to equate to them.
0: In really quick rapid succession, in the span of five minutes, we're supposed to humanize everybody, right? I don't yeah.
2: think it works at all in this movie. Yeah. John Hawks. He falls in love. Yeah, that that character's set up pretty well.
0: His acting was so good it in this.
2: Phenomenal. But what
1: about John C. Riley's character? It shows his son at the bar? It's like midnight, and like a
0: four-year-old shows up at the bar? It reminds <laughs> me of my childhood. <laughs> (laughs) And the funny thing about this little boy at the bar is that there's this little fetus boy (laughs) sitting sitting at the bar, right, young, impressionable youngster, and they make it abundantly clear that people are having wild animal sex above them, (laughs) and and the chandelier's rocking, and dust is flying on this kid's
2: face. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a great environment to bring your kid,
1: right? Yeah, I'm sure he's not messed up.
2: Yeah, so they're setting up the character seer, and and, and right away, I mean, they got back that day, and they went straight to the bar. It's a few hours later after they got back, right? And George Clooney's like, we're heading out again tomorrow, guys. <laughs> One last caper. Yeah.
1: Me and you. One more for the road. So they load up, and they set sail on the Andrea Gale. Boom! <laughs> they set sail, and the harbormaster is leading them out of port, right, <laughs> <Red laughs> <Joel? Yeah.
0: laughs>
1: Did you write that down? Yeah, something? yeah. Joel, tell us about the uh, harbor master. Oh, How they're oh, le- leading them out of the don't, uh, port. I don't there, I
0: remember what was what, what was it? What was the setup? I don't remember what the hell I said. As they were sailing out of the
1: bay, there of that. <laughs> you're, you're saying that the harbor master was leading them out past the lighthouse. Where did that come from? Wasn't
0: that there was a woman behind a control panel telling them where to go? Right? No, I don't think so. No. They were, she, they, were no. they were just driving out. She wasn't the harbor master. No, that's
1: not even what the harbor master is. You have no idea what the. <laughs> hung up on this i don't even remember this it's two weeks ago because <laughs> it was it's been driving me crazy that's what a harbor master is
2: you have spent your entire life living at the shore what, am, I, am i a fisherman am i a
0: longshore shore fisherman you didn't pick any yes. of this up everyone here grew up on the ocean and you like what are you serious I ask you the same, sir. Have you ever been to that town? Because I have. No one's fishing there. There's Joe Schmoe's, like, Kevin, crabbing off the, the pier. You know, we all look down upon them with derision and hatred in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but there isn't, like, a fishing industry, not that I know of. Harbor master. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Narwhal. She had a tooth growing out of her head.
1: Out of her forehead. <laughs> is that what that is? Isn't it's, your- it's, it's an elongated tooth, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. We're shown that John C. Riley and William Fickner didn't
1: get along. I think it's insinuated that William Fickner had an affair with John C. Riley's significant other. Is
2: it true? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I had zero idea why they didn't like each other. Yeah, it's. I agree <laughs> I agree with you <laughs> I guess I'm the only one who
1: picked up on it I,
2: I didn't catch that I, I was really confused I just maybe that's why the family sued that's potential right made him
1: look like a jerk I mean that's slander so yeah. yeah yeah. it doesn't come right out and say it but it's very strongly hinted so that develops tension between those two characters so it makes it kind of hard for them while they're fishing they're constantly fighting John C. Riley goes overboard while they're setting their lines out
2: there's few scenes in movies that have made me Cringe the way I did the first time I saw this. I still cringe a little bit. So I've spent my entire life fishing. I've fished like probably thousands of times in my life, and I've hooked myself, and it sucks.
1: It, it, it hurts. I've also hooked. I, I think anyone who's fished their whole life has hooked themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's terrible. One time I got hooked in the ear.
1: <laughs> 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 I should be laughing this <laughs> Wait,
2: wait, 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 wait! You were you? you no, were, no, you were, I was. You so, back casting, and you just you no, just no, got no, no. Someone. Else did it. Oh, that's the my worst. uncle had Whoa. was thrown a lure, and he pulled it back and pulled it, and it went right into my ear. Did it rip through or what? No, it's just like yeah, like it hooked right, right oh, in. Oh, it got it just got us. So John C. Riley's got this hook that it's used to hook swordfish. So this it's thing's enormous. huge. <laughs> it, you could you could hook like a human being with this thing. I think it's fair to say that it's about half the size of, of a full grown
1: man's it's forearm. Like a
0: cartoon hook <laughs> like the kind of fishing are like enormous. Yeah. Right? I mean that's what that's what they
1: are. That's you what they would, use you would have to use a bull cutter to kind of cut this thing off oh for sure
2: this thing was huge so he's got it in his hand he's not paying attention and the line pulls it and it's snaps it right through the palm of his hand it, like I can't imagine how painful that would be so this thing gets hooked into him and pulls him overboard in the middle of the night it's pitch blackout <laughs>
1: you know what pisses me off it, this scene makes me cringe but not because the hook goes through his hand it makes me cringe because it's so absurd
2: at this point it becomes completely this is
1: where absurd. the movie this is where the movie flies off the rails right and we're about yeah. like what 15 minutes 20 minutes out at sea
0: is not waste any time <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true so John C
1: riley gets hooked goes out into the ocean In the middle of the night And we're talking like 12 foot 15 foot seas It's hey, rough And this is up by Boston In October Cold water the, It's it's almost November The water is freezing mm-hmm. Three people dive in And start swimming after them They gotta be what 40 feet down 50 feet down Their eardrums would explode If they equalized it, it, It's so ridiculous
2: Plus like He went overboard And no one noticed Right away The How boat I- keeps going Then they turn around And notice He was like What like 50, 100 Feet behind them at this point. It's got to be more than that. And they just jump in and like swim to him underwater the whole time. No one has a
1: life. No one has a life jacket on. No one has any type of survival gear on. They're still wearing their fisherman mm-hmm. equipment, like just full rubber.
2: I, it is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it. You can't swim and stuff like that. You can barely move and yeah. stuff like that. It'd be like wearing like just like a giant parachute, right? right? It was just fill yeah. with water. You wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> so um, they're out fishing and and you know they laid all the lines. They're pulling them in and. Uh, Fish, they're just not there. Pulling off, you know, empty line after empty line. And all of a sudden, they got this line and it's going nuts. There's something huge on there. You know, they're getting <laughs> stoked, right? They're like, biggest swordfish ever. Let's go. All of a sudden, this big wave comes and hits the side of the boat and brings in the fish that was hooked. But lo and behold, Martin, what
1: was on there? It looked like a uh, open ocean short fin mako. Really big one. It,
2: like what, 10 feet?
1: <laughs> More than that. It was huge. It was enormous.
2: They
0: caught a shark. Exciting stuff, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous. All these though, two <laughs> jokers were losing their minds <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's stupid. Meanwhile, I'm just like, it's what? stupid. It's
2: biting. Yeah, George Clooney pulls out the shotgun. <laughs> yeah, he pulls out a shotgun. This thing has got Mark Wahlberg's foot in its mouth. Right? He's right there. He's on right. Mark Wahlberg.
1: As, as, as far as I'm concerned, Mark Wahlberg's leg is forfeit.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, if it's in a shark, a, a, a shark that large. Come on, mouth. man. So George Clooney pulls out the shotgun. He's like, everyone step aside. Ha <laughs> And he doesn't really get that close to it, right? He was like, he, what, 10 feet away? He scatters buckshot into everybody on the <laughs> ship.
1: <laughs> he's, on this, he's on this, ship. Step
2: back, everyone. <laughs> it just shoots everyone. This boat is, is, is tossing and turning. There's like 10 foot waves. And he's such a crack shot that he used a shotgun from 10 feet away and hits a shark dead in the head. One shot kill. Doesn't hit anybody else. What's your problem? It's insane.
1: This? isn't even where the last radio communication with the Andrea Gale occurred. That that hasn't happened yet. So this has got to be completely made up, right? They weren't like on the radio like, we just shot a Mako in the head with a shotgun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Over. <laughs> yeah, I think these were, these were liberties that were taken. <laughs> okay, it's at this point that they haven't gotten any fish. So George Clooney decides to make one last-ditch effort and head out towards the Flemish cap. I guess this is the go-for-broke moment. They have to put everything on the line here. Apparently... That's a-
0: supposed to go out there, right? It's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous,
1: especially this time of year where weather is very volatile. It's, it's like a, a
0: mythical place it's because a, it, back in the 50s, somebody got the biggest catch of all time or something, yeah. but it's extremely dangerous. It really is a last-ditch effort to go out there.
1: As far as weather is concerned in the Northeast, October, November are, is a transitional period. Oktoberfest? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ocean's drunk. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a transitional period for the North at Atlantic and you can
2: (laughs) it's pubescent in (laughs) oceans.
0: You know, weird. Like it's in high school it's like go to college
1: the weather out in the ocean at this point can be very volatile because low pressure systems can still track far enough south that they can cause very high seas but you can still get late season hurricanes that can possibly fuel these storms which is exactly what happens
2: or if you believe the old man at the bar right. hurricanes just hang out at this place okay this is I mean to, to anyone to, to anyone that has half a brain in their
1: head obviously hurricanes are not stationary events where they, it's, it's not like it's a giant red dot of Jupiter where it just <laughs> spins in the same place for thousands of years. Okay, hur- hurricanes don't meet up out at the Flemish Cap and high-five each other. So, they go out to the Flemish Cap and we get a short montage where they're shown catching quite a bit of
2: swordfish. They fill that boat. They 10 trillion fish. <laughs> Yeah, 10 trillion we counted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Every fish in the ocean <laughs>
2: <laughs> they single-handedly caused overfishing in the Atlantic.
0: Yeah, it's a serious issue. <laughs>
2: the Japanese government totally ignored what the Andrea Gale
1: had caused. So the ice machine fails on this boat. The ice machine is very important because it keeps the fish frozen, essentially, until they get back to port and they can unload their catch and make their money. They need to keep that swordfish the highest sushi grade. Right. Sushi grade A. Double A plus. Yes. It's it's rated by Moody and Standard & (laughs) Poor's. Once this ice machine fails, and they literally have stacked the hull of this boat up to the ceiling of the hull. Mm -hmm. It's completely filled with fish. (laughs) The beaks of these swordfish are poking through the floor <laughs> of the boat and coming out the exactly. hole. Exactly. <laughs> How much fish is on
0: this boat?
2: <laughs> like bursting, out of the sea bursting out. It's portrayed like these guys have never seen this much fish before, right? Like You're that's right. the impression no we're given. No humans
0: have ever seen this much
1: fish. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it puts them in this unique position: go through a storm that is worse than any storm any man has ever sailed a boat through, or stay there and lose unfathomable riches, I guess, of fish.
0: It's your money. Or your lives, right? Yep. That's, that's what it boils down to. Uh-huh. But then again, you could say that that money is their life. There's, oh. That's the argument. Oh, that's right? so deep. Thank you. The next Roger Ebert right here. <laughs> we see George Clooney get these
2: weather reports. He knows what he's getting into, he explains it to the crew. And everybody else knows what's
1: happening as well. Everybody else that's fishing in their yeah. vicinity understands what's occurring and they like radio to
2: him. Yeah, they're like.
0: So this is all the Hollywood creation, right? This whole thing about the ice melting and we have to go through the storm, stuff like that, right? This, this yeah. whole
2: thing is. Fabulous fabricated. It's
1: conjecture. This is It's probably never happened.
0: I'm gonna say it almost definitely didn't happen, right? Like,
2: this seems, like, I don't know who would make this decision. I think what happened was this storm was a
1: 100-year storm, maybe a 500-year storm.
2: I mean, the thing is, is this, this thing was so massive. It was laid out to us in this movie that the option was either go through it or go around it. You can't go around the storm. It's, it's absurd. It's it, too it large. It was too big, right? Like, if you were out there and you got stuck out there when you're, it hit, you're, you're, you're done. You're There's done. There's nothing you can do. I think they had to add drama to
0: the story. So they came up with this this convoluted story about them having to, all this fish. To, and to add, like, they cooked up the story and threw them in a meat grinder.
2: <laughs> they head into the storm, and they start, you know, hitting some bad weather. They decide to go out and basically board up some of the windows. So the whole crew's out on the deck, moving around in the middle of this hurricane. Yeah, they're, they're moving, they're grooving. <laughs> yeah, everyone's out on the... Dance d- party. Yeah, everyone's out on the, <laughs> on the deck of this boat dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, guys start going overboard. So one guy goes overboard, and it was a, it was a Mark Wahlberg, right? They got the gaff, yeah. Well, a gaff is a, a giant stick, basically, with a giant hook on the end of it, which you use to gaff fish to bring them onto the boat. Is,
1: so someone, is is the hook sharp? Extremely sharp. Is every aspect of that hook designed to gout, murder, murder and, murder, and uh, <laughs> murder and maim, destroy anything it
2: touches? Yes. It's it's a weapon. So someone falls overboard, and Mo Warburg uses this thing to to grab the guy,
1: basically. While this is happening, I'm picturing somebody handing me a gaff while they're seized, and I'm like trying to
2: push it away from me so it doesn't stab me. I, I would rather just be swept away than have someone gaff me.
0: <laughs> grab onto this bro, you'll get pushed into it and bleed slowly on board to death. So this is the part of the movie when the perfect storm achieves perfection, I guess. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> and it all comes to fruition, and we get that shot that's in the trailer and on the poster with that enormous ten billion foot wave. <laughs> it reaches to the moon. <laughs> it's so, so big. The,
1: the boat is seventy feet long and it like ten
2: times its size. And, and, it, and wave. it's breaking. The wave is breaking. It's the not even. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's breaking. <laughs>
0: breaking on I have no idea So how are the effects <laughs> You know, I thought the waves looked good. Yeah, for 2000, they looked pretty damn good. It looked better than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Water. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. How did the boat look, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the boat. <sighs> that was
1: disappointing at it, it, best. It looked,
2: it looked unfinished to me. It looked like someone
1: took a boat out of a Nintendo 64 game and threw it into this movie.
2: That's a very accurate description. It just it looked amateur hour compared to <laughs> the waves. They ran out of money? That's what it looked like.
1: It looked like there was two two different teams working on the boat mm-hmm. and the water. Yeah. And one team was extremely experienced, <laughs> very well paid, and the other one was like,
0: <laughs> they gave it to one of the college interns to work on over the summer before he went back to school. Okay, so the boat tips over. The effect of it flipping around under the water was a piss poor performance. We all agreed on that. Yeah. Perpetrated by polygons. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, so this is it. This is the last stand of these guys. They all have to accept their fate that they're going going to die. They're in the the belly of the ship, and all of them accept their fate in their own unique way. Mark Wahlberg decides to meet his maker head on, swims out of the boat, goes up to the ocean. They show Mark Wahlberg as this little speck on this 10 trillion foot wave. (laughs) as it pulls away like he's done like that's it if he didn't drown to death his body was pulverized to a fine powder or something under the the ocean Mm -hmm. because that wave was enormous and then they cut to the funeral scene which I guess is one of the few real life things that probably happened in this movie was the actual funeral Mm -hmm. and then George Clooney gives this voiceover and that's the end of it Mm -hmm. so that's it yeah that's the perfect storm so let's find out what the real critics to say about this movie The movie starts to sink long before the boat does. Nell Minow, movie mom at Yahoo Movies. The Perfect Storm, which is ultimately a not very good movie, is basically a combination of Twister and Armageddon. Two other not very good movies. Eric D. Snyder, ericdsnyder.com. And finally, a picture that leaves one thinking less about the fates of the characters than about how the actors had to spend most of their working days soaking wet. Todd McCarthy, Variety. Okay, guys, so this movie currently holds a 47, 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad?
1: 47% I think is pretty accurate for this movie. This movie wasn't terrible. I think I found it relatively entertaining in comparison to the majority of the movies that we watch on this show. It's all right. It's not great. It it had a defined story. It had real actors. And it had interaction between those actors, which is more than I can say. Wow. than Hey, 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 You're hey. scraping bottom. Am I? I didn't mind watching this movie, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I wasn't dying while I was watching it like the highest praise coming from Martin. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody, but I wouldn't tell them to steer clear of it if it was on TBS or ABC or TNT <laughs> or NBC or USA or AMC or FX. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, yeah. two out of five, you dick. Oh
0: uh, yeah, it's like, I, don't, I don't even care what you have to say, <laughs>
2: Kevin. Yeah, I think that's probably an accurate score. I'm gonna give it a three out of five. I like this movie. My big problem is I, I don't. I guess I don't know what to take away from it. Like, it's not really entertaining it's made up so it doesn't really inform me of what really happened despite the fact that it's based on true events so it's i don't know it, the movie seems almost pointless in a way because of that but
1: no that's completely fair they're saying it's based on true events but that's not accurate it isn't yeah but it's not an actual story because you're trying to imagine what it was like for these actual people so you're kind of cheated mm-hmm. you feel cheated at the end of this movie
2: yeah i would agree with that in the end i still enjoy watching it. i don't love it by any stretch of the imagination but it's it's all right so i'm
0: gonna give it a three out of five okay as for me isn't really that bad I'm I did not enjoy this movie. Just like I didn't enjoy it the first time, I didn't enjoy it this time. My biggest problem with this movie is... And, okay, I'm about to say something. And I'm not really sure if this is a legitimate complaint. I don't know. This may be an unfair complaint. So I'll throw it to the panel. See what you guys think. <laughs> My biggest problem with this movie is that even though it's based on a true event, I had a hard time getting over the fact that it's these fake people doing these fake things on a fake set. It was just a movie. It's... Joy- it's George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg screwing around on a boat. Mm-hmm. Had it been nobodies, I think I, the story would have been easier for me to swallow. But I don't know if that's a fair complaint because there must be a movie based on a real event or a biopic or something that stars a real person that
1: is good. I think that your complaint is justified, but I think it's justified not because of the actors being high profile and relating them to other movies or actual events in your life. I think it's justified because the set that they used in this movie movie was a soundstage and it was so blatant. It looks like somebody was holding (laughs) a bucket of water the entire time and just throwing it at them while they're at sea. And it really takes you out of it.
2: It looks like this was shot in
1: the 70s. It looks like Jaws, right? Yeah. It looks like Jaws on a boat.
0: As opposed to Jaws in space. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it looks like Jaws. To
0: the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I didn't really like this movie. Two out of five. So, two, two, and a three. Eh, could be worse. <laughs> okay, let's read some listener mail. Sean writes in and says, Hey guys, love the show. While I must say that your description of Constantine sounded pretty cool, I have never been a fan of movies depicting the demonic. Anything to do with the devil, really. Exorcism, demonic possession, etc. It's just absurd. Setting for me. Maybe it's because I get into movies when I watch them, but I just feel damned when I watch something involving Satan. Is that weird? Or do you know anyone who reacts like this?
1: I used to react like that uh, when I was younger. The idea of not being able to control, being possessed, or having something that's completely out of the physical realm—demons being metaphysical—is upsetting. I think that's natural. I think I think this is growing up. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm having like a bullet just come through the window. It makes
0: you. Out. Chewy writes in and says, Hey guys, thought you might appreciate an email from Down Under. In Australia, yes, I am what some people would call Asian, but that hasn't stopped me from listening to the show every week for about two years now. Why would that stop?
1: What? <laughs> the show hasn't been around for two years. <laughs> I have no...
0: <laughs> I have no faint idea on how I found out about you guys. Is but- this email from the future? <laughs> <laughs> I started listening around episode 15. Anyway, I have gotten into the weird habit of listening to podcasts and podcasts only while I go to sleep, and find that whenever I listen to you guys, I always get this weird mental image of some tiny apartment filled with electrical cables and a big ass boom mic over your heads. Anyway, I can picture what Joel and Martin look like for some reason. Joel, I think you look like Matt LeBlanc, except more lazy and sloppy. <laughs> TV's Matt LeBlanc of Lost in Space fame. <laughs> you also seem quite messy with your lifestyle and are unorganized. <laughs> How does he know? <laughs> does that come through in the show? Like, did we talk about that?
2: No, we did. No, no. This is awesome. No,
0: his third eye must have really peered in on yep. my life. Martin, you look like Matthew Perry.
2: <laughs> All Friends characters. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Drugs, Matthew Perry, or post-drugs, Matthew Perry? <laughs> <laughs> Only post-drugs.
1: I don't want to look like drugs, Matthew Perry.
0: He says you look like Matthew Perry because of your masculine, beef-cakey voice. And you somehow remind him of Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know. The beach era, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I do pretend I'm in a video game wherever I go, so. Kevin, you're a child. You probably look like Christopher Mintz Platt. Or Michael Sarah. <laughs> also, you seem timid. Are these predictions correct? Or am I just messed up?
2: I just assumed that was
0: going to be David Schwimmer.
2: Do you really want to be David <laughs> Schwimmer? <laughs>
1: Uh, your prediction's accurate with comparing me to Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Joel looks like a, uh, very dirty Matthew LeBlanc. <laughs> 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 okay, so Seh writes in and says, How much money do I have to donate to pick a movie for you guys to review? 20 American dollars? 40? Ten hundred of your American currency? I have a dizzying, dispensable, and disposable income and have been wishing for these movies to be reviewed by, these, by you guys. So guys, how much is a review worth?
2: 10 hundred of our American... American dollars <laughs> it sounds like. And I think we just found our new number one fan.
1: <laughs> Is he talking about 1000 USD? Of course. Why? That's the currency of our country, of our <laughs> of our homeland. Are you sure? I believe so.
0: You prove that in court. <laughs>
1: Joel, have you been using cougar ants again?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting idea, right? Paying for us to do whatever the hell movie they want to do. Uh-huh. Full control. Would you feel like a whore? I have no problems with that. Cause I have I have no qualms. I'd be a hooker with a heart of gold. Like pretty woman. Michael writes in, he's directly addressing you with this email. Okay. Y- you better stand up for yourself. Hey guys, I've been a big fan of the show for a while, and I recently looked on the blog for the first time to see what your top ten of last year was, and I was a little surprised that you gave Drive only a three out of five. As someone who would give it a five and put it on the top of my list, I want to tell you why I like it. And I would like to hear your response. So he goes on to say that he likes that the characters in it didn't talk so much, and it was just the perfect length, and it has a lot of grit and violence in it. So Kevin... It sounds like the perfect date.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: a lot of talking, perfect life, and a lot of grit.
0: Grime, yeah, violence.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Extreme violence. <laughs> <laughs> it's a five out of five date. He wants me to respond to this? He also has... Well, you it- too. You, you felt the same way as me.
0: <sighs> he's standing, he's standing no, no,
2: don't remove yourself from this equation. Was it addressed to you, Joel? Or just Kevin? I think it was
1: a
0: gentleman. Was it calling out Kevin? Well, he he goes to finish the email by having a thinly veiled insult at Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> for me I'm just glad that for me and apparently most other people it was a movie that can be entertaining without pandering to a mass market of fat retarded Americans it also didn't help that it was the worst marketed movie of last year having a trailer that made it seem to be a Fast and the Furious movie in hindsight gave away the entire plot
1: how is that a thinly veiled insult to Kevin keep up the good work on the show good luck
2: with the shaving
1: Uh, what does it say at the very end Manchester United sucks
0: or something (laughs) Kevin what what do you say to that okay so Oh, he's right. That movie was very poorly marketed. Yeah, I went into it expecting one thing. That's another, you know, that's a, t- that's a whole nother topic to discuss, right? Is it fair that when you go into a movie and you have in your mind an expectation of it being like one kind of a movie and then it's something else entirely different? Is it fair to dock point from the movie because the studio pretty much said to you, hey, this is the kind of movie we made. Here it is. Maybe you, you'd like this. Check it out. And then when you get there, they do the old switcheroo and it's something else.
2: I mean, in the heat of the moment you're gonna react that way so is it fair or no it's probably not fair but again that's why I said I need to watch that movie again so we thought that was gonna be a certain type of movie that would fit a certain type of theater that we specifically went to to see this movie it was in Dine-In AMC Dine-In Theater
0: yeah we were eating and burping and (laughs) clicking our plates (laughs) while we were watching it with like waiters like movement people were talking I remember they were moving they were grooving (laughs) in the
2: aisles (laughs) it was a masquerade ball in the middle (laughs) a movie (laughs) and then Kevin
1: and Joel stopped and went out to the bar
2: (laughs) yeah we didn't see this in a movie theater.
1: We saw it at a restaurant. Yeah, pretty much. I remember when Joel was pitching this to me, and <laughs> I thought that this was the dumbest idea.
0: Well, would you go again to the dining Theater? Yeah, I'd do it again it's, for the it, right movie. A comedy. A comedy or an action movie. Yeah, like Transformers 3 would have been a good choice. Drama,
2: yeah. no way, right? No, this movie shouldn't be seen in that atmosphere. We thought we were going to go see a Fast and the Furious type movie that was going to be like a little bit- Better than A that. little bit better than That's that. That's
0: what I was expecting, a better Fast and the Furious. Which would fit that atmosphere, and it
2: wasn't that movie, so... And he's right, that's how they sold it to us. It is, but, I mean, I can't help it, that was the experience I had, so it didn't thrill me the way it did other people. I mean, I, was, I gotta see it again. Yeah, me too, but I was
0: not impressed with that movie when I saw it <laughs> in the theater, not at all. I was, I, I was very disappointed, especially this is another one of those situations when, like, the hype machine was going off the rails it was. at the time for this movie. People were going buck wild about this movie. It's like, alright, relax, guys, it wasn't that good. I mean, a I'll, lot of that was for the Scorpio. i guess. though, like, I...
1: I missed the hype around this movie, and I saw it when it came out on DVD by myself at home, and I thought it was great. I'd I'd give it a solid four out of five. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Sounds very
0: lonely. A very lonely life you lead. (laughs) We're dancing in the aisles at a restaurant, and you're in a hovel (laughs) watching it. Yeah,
1: but who enjoyed the movie
0: more? We had waiters like the uh, Polar Express waiters. Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah, hot chocolate! And he (laughs) was throwing chocolate in people's faces. (laughs) Alright, next email. This is an awesome, awesome email. Do you remember when you were doing your your surf corner and I joked around that that guy from Mongolia doesn't want to hear about your stupid (laughs) LBI surf spots?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It actually was very offensive and hurt my feelings.
0: Hi, just listened to your Constantine podcast and I wanted to say that yes, that guy from Mongolia was interested in the surf talk. I'm originally from Long Island, New York, and I used to do a bit of surfing, though only occasionally. And I never got very good like some of my friends. So here are my surfing questions to Martin. This is the guy from (laughs) (laughs) Mongolia. This is Terry from Ulaanbaatar. Wow, Joel. Way to call him out.
1: (laughs) What size board do you ride? Uh, I have seven boards that I ride. It depends on what the conditions are. (laughs) I have a... I mean, just to make it real real quick, I have three shortboards. Uh, one of them's a gravel board. I have a minigun and I have a fish and a longboard. board. Any injuries? Oh man. Too many to count. I lived in Hawaii for a while, so I've broken a bunch of my ribs, I've knocked teeth out, I have scars all over my body from the reef.
0: Somebody hurt your feelings once, right? Yeah, yes. And and
1: I also suffer from a broken heart. <laughs> And finally, what, what is your favorite surfing movie? Oh, Point Break! You kidding me? Hundred <laughs> percent.
2: That gets a hundred percent of Rod Smith. Yeah, th- nothing's close to that. <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> coming back.
1: That uh, all surf Nazis must die, or <laughs> another another really good one is North Shore. Regarding the movies, for me, I think the Endless Summer is pretty cool. He's he's, he's talking about actual surf flicks. Jeez! Right now, I'm really into Year Zero. That's uh, made by Globe, but ESM's always right. Covers all East Coast stuff, so I'm pretty into that.
0: Point Break is really good for people two titans of cinema Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze against each other and also there is Reeves delivery of the line are you trying to tell me that the FBI is going to pay me to learn how to surf I'm not even going to attempt to do it in Keanu voice also Blue Crush is a dumb movie with some cool scenes and pretty girls Michelle Rodriguez face in that too right
1: Michelle Rodriguez that might have been my first experience with her I think
0: mm. he goes on to say that he hasn't seen the ocean in three years oh
1: wow that, that's tough that's tough man
0: keep up the good podcast he also sends some pics from my uh, Mongolia. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, he has some pics of his, what his house looks like and stuff. I'll show, show those to you later. Here's an interesting question from Jason. He asks, so I have a question for your group and for your listeners. What is the oldest movie you enjoy from beginning to end? For me, it's 1947's Miracle on 34th Street. Although there are older movies I have seen and appreciate, they are simply unwatchable from beginning to end. Phantom of the Opera, 1925, and Metropolis, 1927, come
1: to Ooh, mind. Ooh, I
0: disagree with, Metor- with Metropolis. But nothing I could sit through in its entirety keep up the great work so what's the oldest movie you can enjoy that's a tough one for me for me it's probably the Maltese Falcon Kevin the
2: Maltese Falcon is definitely good was that before Casablanca I don't know. Casablanca is one of my all-time favorites. Right, and one uh, one of those two.
0: I guess I go with the Third Man. That's a really cool movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: I remember you being a big Intolerance fan.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, this is what separates a movie fan from a film buff: mm-hmm. being able to enjoy very, very old movies, and that's a separate film. That's why I'll never become a film buff because I just don't have the patience or the tolerance or the buff. Yeah, I'm not buff yeah. enough <laughs> to handle a movie from 1922. <laughs> I liked Metropolis, though.
1: I thought it was really cool. I never saw it. I've never seen it. The I'll put it this way. The way it looks for when it was made. Or, or no, disregard for when it was made. Just the way it looks and the idea of it is awesome.
0: Okay, and finally, Christopher writes in with a fun story. He says, I have walked out of two movies in my life. One of them being Alexander with Colin Farrell, which is just atrocious, and the other being Hero with Jet Li. For some strange reason at the time, I went to see it in theaters. It came off as extremely boring, and I just couldn't take it. A couple of months later, I was at a ritzy Christmas Party in Chicago and was in a heated discussion with another guy about good cinema. We argued back and forth on directors and cinematography, set designs and character development, etc. I proceeded to tell him that the only movie I had ever walked out on at the time was Hero and then slammed it pretty hard, insulting everyone from costume makers to the actors and went off on how unrealistic I thought all the computer graphics were. After a few minutes of me going on, when all was said and done, he added in that he was a CG artist. For the movie Hero, and in fact, was in charge of making the majority of the arrows in the scene from the movie's trailer. The same scene, in fact, that I had just verbally raped a few minutes prior. I scowled at him and walked away. I've since watched the movie and enjoy it very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a good story, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great story. I like how you followed through. Like, he didn't apologize. So he was just, like, <laughs> he just spit in his face. Yeah, he metaphorically spat at him and walked away. <laughs> All right, so thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbadgmail.com. As for this week's question of the week, what is the oldest movie that you enjoy from beginning to end? Head on over to yeahitsthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll and the choices were ultraviolet versus eon flux and the winner is ultraviolet great another william fichtner movie back to back I can't wait to see this thing. Okay, so tune in next week when we will be reviewing Ultraviolet. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help us spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at YeahIt'sBad. You can follow Martin at YeahIt'sMartin. You can follow Kevin at YeahIt'sKev. And finally, you can listen to your show on any of your mobile devices via Stitcher, you can get that at stitcher.com slash yeah, it's bad. Okay, Thanks for listening to the show. See you next time.
1: This really is the scene where George Clooney sets up the one last caper scenario. We mm-hmm. got to do one. We got to give it big our job. all. We got it. This, this is it. After this, we're if it done, doesn't work out, you. We're, we're done. Whether it works or it doesn't, that's it. An
2: Italian job?
0: <laughs> yeah, they drove their mini Coopers <laughs> to the eye of the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs>